Smartcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. 
It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest, Daniel Liebeskin. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Topia, a fully customizable spatial-based virtual gathering platform that launched in May of 2020. Topia found quick success by summer of 2020, hosting over 25,000 people as a co-sponsor of Burning Man, providing virtual event spaces for Fortune 100 companies, IPO celebrations, and music festivals, as well as hosting birthday parties, reunions, and workspaces. Daniel's journey with technology and entrepreneurship began at an early age and took him from Wall Street to Silicon Valley and now Los Angeles. Born in White Plains, New York, he watched and learned from his dad, who commuted to the city every day, where he ran a financial services firm and invented technology platforms for the insurance industry. An avid baseball card collector, Daniel's first startup at the age of eight was trading, buying, and selling cards based on their appraised value in Topps magazines. Daniel also had access to the family computer and with a childhood friend taught himself QBasic and experimented by hacking on games like Nibbles. To be closer to his mother's family, Daniel's family moved to Cleveland when he was in the middle school and his father continued to commute to New York City once a week. Daniel decided he wanted to bolster his passion for building technology and entrepreneurship by mastering business and finance. By the time he was in high school, he was creating games in Java, including a full featured RPG. He was also creating websites for friends and his entrepreneurial endeavors, including for his startups, Mega Hearts and Homeland Security Kit Company. Daniel attended Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, one of the top business and accounting schools in the nation. There he started and led the Real Estate Investment Club, which propelled him to win one of the few coveted internships for Lehman Brothers Investment Banking in 2008. When the crash hit, Daniel was fortunate to be hired full-time at Barclays Capital and their newly established investment banking division, where he specialized in healthcare technology companies. Daniel made his way west in 2011, working as a technology investor for Summit Partners, specializing in SaaS and healthcare. During his time in venture and investment banking, Daniel was an enthusiastic networker, even building a personal CRM, a macro-enhanced spreadsheet of over 3,000 personal contacts that he would update in real time. Daniel commuted an hour each way from San Francisco to Menlo Park, and he started coding again on his train rides. In 2013, Daniel attended Hack Reactor, where he rediscovered his passion for coding, creating, and building companies. Over the next five years, Daniel would create approximately 30 apps and companies, mobile games, a mobile drink ordering app for bars, a motion-activated drone interface, security software, blockchain-based crowdfunding technology, and more. In 2015, he founded a startup called Body, which was a web RTC-based platform for fitness professionals to create their own virtual studios and teach interactive classes where the instructor could see the participants and participants could see one another. By 2018, Daniel became chief product officer for Everpedia, working to provide economic incentives for knowledge. Here, he nurtured his interest in human connection and reimagined and rebuilt Everpedia to be a social platform. Daniel began creating a vision of building an immersive platform for customized experiences built around microtransactions and AI. He saw a need for a community-based immersive event space, one that was spatial, where groups could connect from around the world in a way that felt like being together in real time, but enhanced in ways that could only exist virtually. A service that wasn't focused on a one-to-many or few-to-many and could evolve the way we socialize and come together online. Then the pandemic hit. 
By April 2020, Daniel thought he might have missed the boat on this idea. But in just three weeks, he and his team built a prototype of a spatial experience where users could wander in and out of conversations with people, just as they would in a real world setting. The result was the first iteration of Topia. And the first event was a festival celebrating life through the recognition of death and grief. By October 2020, Topia has become a co-sponsor and hosted over 25,000 attendees of Burning Man, one of the largest community arts-based festivals in the world. Next, they would host a global corporate event for Azana for their IPO. Today, Topia is leading disruption in the virtual meeting and event space by focusing on community and engagement rather than meetings. From music festivals, birthday parties, and reunions to custom-designed spaces for Fortune 100 companies, Topia is now has over 10,000 registered users that are throwing dozens of events every day. People use Topia to bring their communities together and strengthen the relationships between their members. Creators use Topia to build experiences for enhancing human interaction and to participate in a virtual creator economy. Daniel's vision has led to a platform that allows anyone to create their own event space for free and allows us to connect in social spaces wherever we are in the world. Easy to access with no downloads and simple to customize and create with an ever-expanding asset marketplace, Topia is the best and certainly most fun way to get together when we're apart. You can check out Topia, and I have, and I'm extremely excited about this opportunity. You go to www.topia.io to check out more about this. Topia is an online virtual gathering platform with spatial chat with a full customizable world to work within. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Daniel to the show. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thanks, Jason. It is absolutely an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I find your background very interesting, and I wanted to ask you, what was the first moment in your career where you realized that you were doing something very unique and special compared to what average people do? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I was building video games when I was a little kid. And, uh, and, you know, I was having garage sales, I was collecting trading cards and going and sort of aggregating the amount of cards and, and valuation, turning it kind of into a startup, even when I was a kid. And a lot of my peers were out playing sports. And, you know, I was I was athletic, but I just I was much more interested in your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease trying to create business. And really, you know, ultimately, as I reflect back, it was creating products. And so I think what I've found through my life is that I'm a product builder. And whether it's trading card collection as a product, or it's uh, software that brings people together, or it's even fitness software, I've, I've actually created something like 30 different products now um, in over my life. And so, um, you know, I, I guess the first moment, perhaps, when I felt that I was I was different was when I actually left investment banking. Most of my peers in investment banking uh, stayed in finance, right? And I 
very intentionally not only left, but left and became an engineer. And I, I guess the reality is I was an engineer when I was a kid, <laughs> but went back to my engineering roots and versus any of my peers, even people that left uh, invest banking. And, and to be fair, I was an investment banker. Then I was an investor at a, uh, a growth equity, private equity uh, venture capital firm called Summit Partners. And most people that left that and went to startups were like the chief revenue officer or were in growth uh, or doing business development. And I went and I learned to code again, right? And I learned modern web frameworks because I wanted to actually build things and I didn't want to be beholden to the engineers that knew how to build. I wanted to turn myself into a sorcerer, right? And so, you know, growing up reading Harry Potter, Hogwarts, everybody, you know, that, that read that sort of embodied themselves as Harry Potter and, you know, wanted to, you know, this, this dream of finding your own special abilities. And I coach a lot of even young kids now on becoming technical, but, you know, I think becoming technical again for me was uh, truly groundbreaking and then bringing the, the business side, right? So knowing Excel, knowing uh, how businesses run, but then also knowing how to build the product uh, is just kind of a unique thing. And so I would, I would encourage people, you know, even as they're figuring out what to do with their lives, think about your life as an RPG, right? As like a video game itself. And you can pick a class, right? So you could be uh, an engineer, you could be like the hunter class, you could be uh, a doctor, right? All of these different things. And, you know, pick a skill tree and really whatever your innate thing is. It took me a long time to realize that my class, the thing that I am is an engineer. I actually just realized this very recently, really just some embodiment of an engineer, but I've invested my time and resources, I guess, in other skill trees, um, and that has made me very versatile. And so I would encourage people to do that, right? Think about it as an RPG, figure out which skill trees you want to invest in uh, and, and do that. And along the way, you'll kind of figure out what your play style is of your life. And then, you know, go deep into that skill tree and become an expert at that. For me, it's product building, right? You're going to unlock uh, special abilities that you can then use on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, yeah, that's just the way I think about it. It's like living in your passion and then making it happen. Like you're creating what you, you're a creator and you're creating things and putting, uh, I mean, amazing products out there for, I mean, I, I love this Topia. I want, I want to talk about Topia because I didn't mean to call it this Topia. I mean, it blew my mind. I went on that. I went on the site earlier and I uh, explored around a little bit as Jason Zook. I wish I could record for you, but I was like blown away by it. I was like, wow, there's these little screens, these little boxes and you show up and they start talking to each other and then you walk away. The whole spatial aspects. I wanted, I wanted to see what that would be like. And I'm so happy I got a chance to experience it firsthand. And I'm really intrigued. So I'm excited about having you to talk about this stuff because you got a fan. So let's hear about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you know, the 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 reality of, of Topia is that this is a passion of mine. This is the end result. Call it maybe even the fruiting body of uh, this sort of dream that I've had for many, many years of evolving the way that we socialize online and come together and have interactive, truly interactive, real-time experiences together. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm a, I'm a deep believer that uh, that true friendships and long-term relationships are born from shared memories, right? Creating memories yeah. together, sharing experiences. And so how can you online have sort of synchronous experiences that lead to the formation of true memories and do that all online, right? Instead of doing that offline and then coming together uh, to broadcast content online, how can you actually uh, how can you actually have those experiences online? And so I've been on this quest for many years uh, to build community 
to really enable people to build their own communities and, and leverage their communities that already exist to strengthen the bonds between each other. And, and so that's sort of on the one side. And then on the other side, another quest that I've been on is uh, in supporting creators, right? And I really believe myself being a creator, right? I believe in the creative journey and I'm not actually that artistic. Uh, I would say, you know, in, in terms of like the traditional artistic sense, um, but those that are, it's what a gift it is, but what a struggle as well, right? To be, to be uh, art- artistic and to have natural abilities and to refine those, it's very few that actually make it to the point where they can do that as their career, right? Where they, where they make enough money to support themselves. And so, and, and, I, and I truly believe that as we go forward as a human race, uh, and as we look at things like artificial intelligence, which I don't think it's going to be humans versus the artificial intelligence. Instead, it's artificial intelligence being embedded in ourselves and our, and our binding together with them. Uh, and when you look at the AI human uh, evolution that, that is going to happen, the creatives are going to be the sort of last bastion of what it is to be human, right? A lot of the automation is just going to be done by the AI, kind of like how our, our phones have enabled a lot of the automative things that in the past you had to do manually. Now it's all automated. Um, but the creative sense, you know, we, some of our tools actually enable creativity, but, uh, but we're not being replaced on the creative side. And, and all of that is sort of a rambling way of uh, saying that, you know, it's really important right now that we foster a sense that being a creative is a long-term viable option for even the, the kids right now, right? Be a creative, you should. And so creating platforms that really enable creativity and allow people to experiment and allow them to earn money by by creating things. And in Topia, you know, you earn money by creating immersive experiences that are social and bringing people together to actually have human connection in these spaces. Um, and we we're calling those confluencers. And we can we can talk about more about that. But you know, that's that's really it's it's the smashing together of sort of how do we support creators and how do we bring people together for real human connection online. Uh, I'm, I really am blown away by all this. I, these are things that I haven't been like thinking or contemplating. So like for me to have you to talk about this firsthand and how did you come up with this idea originally? Was there an inspirational moment where you had an aha, maybe you were sitting there with somebody at a Starbucks having a drink and you just thought in your mind, spatial topia. Oh my God. Like, how did you first think of this? I had a startup in 2014, 2015 called body that was similar to Topia, but for the fitness space. And it was a way for fitness instructors to create their own virtual fitness studios and then teach live interactive classes where they could see the participants, participants could see each other. And it really made it so that you could work out online in a human way, right? I could take a fitness class with my sister in New York and our instructors in Chicago, and it feels kind of like we're all together in a way that previous to that, and and now there there are things like this, that I'm describing that exist online. But previous to that, it was all broadcast fitness for the most part, right? Peloton was just starting to come into its own. Um, but even that is is uh, is mostly few to many um, or even one to many. And then there's some connectivity. It's not, it's not really trying to emulate that experience of being in person. And so, you know, when you when you're broadcasting, when you're one to many, there is not that ability for uh, for sort of community to build, right? And so body was. I didn't even really realize it at the time, but what I was building was a community platform, right? And people that were taking these classes formed communities around the teachers and the teachers 
what, what ended up happening was the teachers really were leaning on body to build their communities itself. A lot of teachers that were coming to the platform didn't have big followings. They weren't Jillian Michaels or, you know, a famous uh, fitness instructor. They were, they were ordinary people who wanted to find people all over the world that take their classes real time with them and have that human connective experience and, and fix their posture, for example. You can do things real time that you can't do in a broadcast one of many. You can actually watch how they are working out and you can give them help. And that's that's the beauty of an in-person fitness instruction. And so that was sort of the origin in many ways. And I've been into communities in general long before that. Um, but you know, that was the first time I built a product around the idea of building community online. And we we're using a lot of the same, in its infancy, a lot of the same technology. So web real-time communication, which is what Topia is built around. Um, and, you know, some, some of the modern JavaScript frameworks is actually one of the first things I coded uh, after coming back to coding. And so, uh, you know, I, I that was sort of the, the kernel of this. Since then, you know, I, I went on a journey of building, I built uh, something like 20 products over six years. Uh, I was the chief product officer of a blockchain company called Everpedia, which is kind of like Wikipedia, but trying to uh, incentivize the creators, again, through uh, through blockchain to uh, be able to self-regulate and uh, and economically incentivize people to uh, to contribute content and then moderate each other's content. And so, you know, that was another step in this direction. My plan, honestly, was over the next 10 years to build this out as a fully immersive social experience platform and creator uh, ecosystem. And when, and I was building uh, a few different things. I was building uh, something called Satoshi's War, which is a canvas-based Bitcoin lightning game, uh, which actually became sort of the precursor to Topia's game worlds. Um, I was also experimenting with uh, with virtual reality platforms, something called Mozilla Hubs. I was building sort of the WordPress of VR, um, and that also is kind of what Topia is. So another way to think about Topia is as WordPress, a social immersive WordPress with plugins. We have a marketplace that are basically templates that you can plug in. Um, and we have a lot more of that sort of stuff coming. So, you know, I was, I was already dabbling with these things. And when the pandemic hit, I realized that what people really needed right now was a really accessible browser-based way of bringing their communities together. And I was part of a few communities that were using Zoom to do this. And the problem with Zoom is that you need a facilitator. One of the problems with Zoom is you need a facilitator, right? Zoom is yeah. amazing for business meetings. It's not exactly. really great for unstructured hangouts. Casual, casual discussions yeah. like we're having right now for the podcast, right? Being recorded through Zoom, ironically. But when we get on your platform, which I love about it is it's casual feeling. You're like, it reminds me because I, I have an Oculus one of my friends gave me. And I, I, it reminds me of that, that flowing feeling where you can go around and communicate. And I like that a lot. And yet I like the fact that you have all the other people show up that are in your proximity and you can hear them based on where you go. That's really, I mean, that's immersive. It really is. Totally. And, and you know, engaging with your people also. So, you, you know, you are a podcast, you have a bunch of podcasts, but a lot of the people that you interview also have a bunch of podcasts, right? And so you could almost think of this as your website, instead of being this 2D non-social landscape that people can arrive at, you could create an entire world that is curated content of yours. You can embed YouTube. You can actually uh, turn any asset into a clickable link that opens as its own web page. You can embed live stream Twitch. You can actually embed spatial video itself into video players inside the worlds. And so this, this sort of this ability to engage with your fans, with your community, and um, to allow others to do that too. And you can portal to other, you can create portal networks between worlds. Um, and so there's just all sorts of really interesting things you do around community building real-time synchronous 
experiences and uh, in really engaging with people that have shared interests with you. I'll just say this to you. I got the word TikTok off your energy. I know <laughs> something about TikTok is going to be good for you in the future with your platform. So don't be surprised if you don't hear something about a TikTok or uh, collaboration with you because I feel like it could be very successful. Just my two cents. I get stuff yeah. on talk to people and if I get it, I share it. So. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And you know, we don't have sharp elbows at all, right? So you can embed even Zoom. You can embed Zoom inside of Topia objects and it opens up into a Zoom and you can, so you can, you can use Topia as sort of like the lobby, right? Again, think of it as your, your homepage and then you can embed even other video conferencing technologies inside of the Topia world. So this is like the lobby, the cocktail hour area. And if you want to use hardcore conferencing software, embed it inside of an object, maybe a sign that says click here to go to the conference and people click it. It opens the conference software. When you're done in the conference, you come back to the lobby, right? And so a lot of people are using it that way as well. Um, and so sure, embedding TikTok, embedding all sorts of different content uh, is, is definitely the plan here. I mean, when you think about the, it's unlimited potential. I, I, I'm already thinking about it. Think of like Facebook, but with a 3D angle to it or something with video, direct interface and stuff, but in a different way, like you create your own world, but then people can, you can share that world with others. So you can create the actual portal of people that come to your, your world and control like that. I mean, that's, that's very reinforcing and positive. It's, it could be a very positive message for someone to create their own world literally and have that in the digital form and then invite their family members to it. And they're, if they're really expressive, but they might be introverted, for example, this might be, I mean, you, there's so many applications for this. You could probably help people in therapy with this kind of stuff kids in, who need therapy or need some type of like, I'm just thinking out loud, but I can see a lot of different applications to this. That's just not strictly socializing. I mean, a lot of deeper Absolutely. social justice yeah, aspects, right. you know, uh, it's, it's a little everything. A little everything. And, and we do, we do have that, right? So there are, there are movements even that are uh, happening around the world on specific topics wow. that you can <laughs> turn a world into, you know, for example, if you're uh, there, there's something happening in British Columbia right now uh, where people are chopping down trees. There's actually a, a Netflix <laughs> show about this. That's actually kind of terrible uh, wow. that they made a show out of this, but uh, you know, they're cutting down this old growth forest and um, people that have lived there for, you know, that, that either have lived there for a really long time or even just that are there right now are, are trying to protect the trees. And so that is the kind of thing where you could create an entire Topia world that is basically a British Columbia forest and have an event in there, have, uh, you know, music festivals in there and, um, and, you know, bind together, bring people from all over the world. One of the crazy things about Topia is that what we're really doing is providing accessibility, right? So instead of um, however many people that can, that, that are able to fly to British Columbia and that have the resources and the, the wealth to even be able to do that, um, you know, being able to actually have this be accessible to people all over the world for the same kind of real-time connection. And we're not trying to replace in-person, we're trying to complement, right? Bring it, bring more accessibility. Your community doesn't need to be regional. The people that can afford to get to wherever this thing is happening. And, and again, it could be a conference, but it also could be a movement of people that are rallying around a cause. Um, and so being able to be in India, right? And, and be part of this movement is really a special thing. You can make it a global movement virtually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See about that. I mean, yeah. think about that and you're utilizing synchronicity in such a unique way like i like it i like the whole concept of it let me ask you this what do you do in your off time because <laughs> everybody's uh, hanging out with somewhere. friends you know yeah okay. I, I mean you know the, the reality is i'm a, um, a community builder in in real life too and i love 
people. I love people's energy. I like being in, uh, I, I really like when people create space and you can be in that space and feel the energy. So one of my favorite things to do is to be with a group and have, um, have somebody actually creating space for us, you know, facilitating uh, an experience. Um, I'm very into sort of experiential things in, in real life uh, as well. And so, you know, that's, that's part of the motivation for, uh, for building this in the first place. Um, you know, I'm a many year uh, burner going to Burning Man, you know, would be another example. And so we actually hosted Burning <laughs> Man so last cool. year, the virtual uh, yeah. uh, Burning Man. We're doing it again this year uh, at the end of the month. So come check that out uh, for anybody that's listening. Topia.io slash burn will be where, where the burn is. Uh, cool. And that'll start August 28th. And, uh, you know, so I, I do things like that. I have a big community of people that are really into uh, experiential get togethers and um, you know, we're really trying to build this platform to enable that for people beyond myself. And one of the things that I've, uh, and, and my, my, you know, my, sort of my community, one of the things that's been really interesting on my own journey and that I hear spoken many times is when somebody has a really profound experience, especially in a group and a community, their first thing is how do I share this experience with other people, right? How do I bring this to be accessible all over the world? And it's, it's a challenging question, right? Because <laughs> most experiences are actually very small. And, and intimate. Um, and so part of what we're trying to do with Topia is actually bring that accessibility. That's amazing. And when you brought up Burning Man, I, um, I'm a fan of Burning Man. I've never been to one yet, but I'm a fan of it and I, I respect it. I like, I've been to one smaller festival a couple of years ago before COVID here in Florida, just to experience the art of it and the exchange of ideas. And it's an experience you can't describe. Like I, I attribute it to like time doesn't exist for three days. <laughs> and you have a good time with a group of people that are amazing. I think it's it's a it's an excellent experience for people to, to to be able to endeavor on. Well, and Jason, you know, one of the things that's interesting about an experience like that, so time time doesn't matter, right? You also cut right through the sort of normalcy, right? And so when you meet people in an experience like that, you're not you're not really asking them like, what do you do for a living, right? Or yeah. like kind of the pleasantries. You you get you you go deeper, right? And in the context matters. So one of the one of the things that we deeply believe at Toby is that the context makes a huge difference. So meeting somebody at Burning Man or at a bar or at a conference or in their backyard or in a musical journey or an interactive theater or an art museum, all these different contexts really dictate what that interaction is going to be like. And so, uh, you know, it, it's one of the things you can hunt for all over the world and try to find these things to then have authentic connection or a platform like Topia hopefully own. can make that easier for you. <laughs> You can create your own platform for that connection to increase the opportunity of it. Cause yeah. you're, you're basically putting it out there and saying, this is what I, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm just thinking of creative potential. You have all these influencers out there, right. And, and, and people who are in, uh, across various media with generation Z millennials, whatever. And now you can offer them an extra opportunity for them to tie their stuff together into their own little world. I mean, the joke, you know, <laughs> the joke about younger people are very focused on themselves. It could go pretty far with Toby that they have their own little world, but I see it as a very positive thing. I think that everything with what we're talking about is it's it's a way to use spatial media in such a way where you enhance your experience online. Is there an app for it on the phone yet, or is there like where is that for Topia? Is it an app as well? Yeah, you can use it on your phone. Um, I would say at this point, it's better on desktop. And one of the things that we actually uh, have found and struggle with a little bit is that when people are on their phones they're usually actually distracted. They're driving, they're not paying attention, they're shopping, and they're sort of listening in. And in Topia, it's all about 
actually interacting and being there, being present, right? Dropping into presentness with each other. And a lot of what, what people try to do in Topia is actually uh, structure a world, structure an experience to bring presentness. And so on, on your phone, it's often hard to facilitate that. So uh, we do have a mobile version. You kind of, you, you get like a little mobile indicator when you're on mobile. You don't have video on uh, as well because most people would just turn video off because uh, it's in their pocket anyways. And so oh, yeah. it's default to that. And so, you know, we'll, we'll build better, better experiences, better user experiences for mobile in the future. But right now we're optimizing for the desktop, true presentness, um, you know, being there experience. Where do you see this going in the future? Because I know that that's always has to be the next spot, right? I mean, when you get this done, there has to be that next spot, the next, what's, what's next? Yeah, we're trying to evolve how people socialize online. It's a it's a big vision, really, and it's a lot to a lot to achieve. I would also say that the idea of hybrid events, right? So we're really set on not trying to replace in person. I love in person events. Right. We want to be a complement, and I actually think the future of the internet is is fraught, right? There 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 are many schools of thought about what the internet should become, and if you are familiar with Ready Player One and particularly the Sixers version of Ready Player One, uh, for those that have seen it, it basically, the Sixers are an entity that wants to take over this metaverse and put ads in your field of view. And their, their thing is how many ads can we put in your field of view before it causes seizures, right? That's one possible, that's a dystopian outcome of the future, right? And for us, we want to be a force for good. And there are others like us that want the internet to evolve in a way that's really great for humanity. It doesn't replace what it means to be human. and doesn't just bring us all online 100% of the time and optimize for an attention economy. And so, you know, when I think about the future of Topia, we think about hybrid, hybrid of in-person, virtual, streaming between the two, bringing accessibility to in-person experiences. Um, and then, you know, the ability to actually do things online that you can't do in person or that you may not be safe in person. And so a classic example here might be uh, the ability to have two people that in person uh, may, they may actually, uh, their, their factions may hate each other, right? And bring them together in person might be very dangerous, but online it could be very safe. And for them to be able to actually be in space together that is crafted for this experience and to have a conversation can be really enlightening and blow away the polarization of what the internet a lot of the the um, sort of stuff that we're seeing from uh, Tristan Harris's social dilemma, for example, uh, talking a lot about the echo chambers of of the social world, uh, for example, and uh, you know how do we combat the uh, the perils really of uh, of information just being force fed to you in you know unidirectionally, um, and so you know that that is the future that we're trying to that, trying to avoid, right, and trying to make it so that. People can have conversations with each other. They can be in person. They can be virtual. They can be interacting both ways. And, uh, and you know, really we want people to also be able to express themselves creatively. So something that you were saying, you know, do something that, that is a little scary to you. Try to build a world, upload assets, right? Upload experiences, bring your people together around topics and find people all over the world that are interested in the same topics and be able to connect with them. One of the great things about New York City is that whatever you're into, there's a lot of other people there that are into that same thing, right? And so in Topia, in the future, whatever you're into, you can find a community of people around the world that are into that same thing. And that's really, really powerful. It's empowering too. It's a form of empowerment that a lot of people overlook is the ability to congregate and know others like-minded 
individual, you feel like you're, you're belonging to something instead of you just being isolated, especially when you think about the context of, you know, pandemic and everything, COVID. So many people had to stay home and, and, and cluster up. And, and I was in my condo for a year, but in Florida here, but it's, 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 it's like having these interactive opportunities, I think are priceless right now. I think what you're doing is such an amazing uh, thing to release it when you did. Cause I know you said you were trying to like still work a little more on it before you were to release it. Right. And the pandemic kind of accelerated your goals of launching it basically. And I think that's a noble thing because it, it's going to catch on. Uh, it already is, but it's going to start catching a lot more as time goes on. And I think it's because of the usefulness of it and, and the applications of it are unlimited. It, it can lead to so many other layers. What do you think about the future of the internet communication? Like stuff that like, you know, we, we're, we're used to having the smartphone with us and uh, you know, I'm 45. So I'm like a mixture of a hybrid of older people, but I still act like I'm not old at all. So I like my iPhone and have my gadgets and stuff, but then I get sometimes in over my head with certain technical stuff. But how, how, how do you see the future? Cause I know you can kind of conceptualize things of the internet communication and that kind of stuff. It's hard to say. There's a lot of different paths that the internet could take. And, and likely will take. Um, I think we see emerging technologies like virtual reality becoming ever more present. And frankly, the pandemic accelerated that. Oculus Rifts were sold out for six months, maybe even a year, something like that. And so I think we will, and, and one of the interesting things with virtual reality is a lot of what you're getting is synchronicity, right? So we have the async internet, which is basically when you send a message and then like email is async, right? You send a message, then sometime later you get one back. Something like Facebook is async, Reddit is async. Um, you know, anytime you're like forum based, you're sending a message, then you're receiving one back. Things like MMORPGs, uh, MMORPGs and video games uh, generally are synchronous. They're real time. You're actually there with people. And, and one of the interesting things is that games have been for a very long time one of the places online where you can actually authentically connect real time with somebody else, right? And do a thing. And I think one of the things that we're finding with games like Fortnite, for example, and the massive explosion in popularity of Fortnite, Warzone, um, these sort of battle royales is that you're actually, you can be with your friends hanging out real time as you're doing something, right? As you have this context, you're playing a game, you're interacting, you're having an experience together. Um, and so I think the future of the internet is going to have a lot of that. And frankly, there's there's a debate, right? Is the future of the internet more asynchronous, right? So video uh, apps like Marco Polo, which is amazing. It's an amazing app. That's an asynchronous video chat, right? You send, you send a video, then sometime later you receive a video in response to what you sent. Um, that's the asynchronous internet. The synchronous internet is coming too. And virtual reality is all synchronous, right? And, um, and so I, I think we're going to see this split of async and sync and, uh, and, and that's great. And Topia is going with the real time stuff because that's what real experiences online, like truly connecting with people online is something you have to do real time. You can't really well, send a message, then receive one and hmm. feel a deep human connection with somebody. We weren't, we didn't evolve that way. Right. Like well, mail is the async in person. Um, whereas a phone call is real time. Right. And so when you talk to somebody on the phone versus sending them a letter, it's a totally different experience as, as everybody can relate to. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, so I, that's what I, I think about where the internet is going from a sort of infrastructure perspective. I think we also really need to be thoughtful around, um, around the ethics of the internet, right? And what are we optimizing for? So I brought up Ready Player One and there are the, the first version of the internet very much 
and especially the social internet, very much optimized for an attention economy, right? And so a lot of the big tech players, they are serving ads. They're optimizing to be able to serve you more ads, which means they need you on there for as long as they possibly can. <laughs> that's an attention economy. Um, and un- left unchecked, that's where everything's going, right? How much time can they get you to spend connected to your device? Even some of the complaints we see you know, or, or we make about like the younger kids and they're just on their phone all the time, that's not an accident. That was that is engineered. That is You're intentional, right. right? And so, I think that there there is a growing movement of folks that are looking at that and saying, "Hey, we're building products that we want to be really great for humanity, and we're gonna we're gonna optimize, right? We're gonna optimize our products, but we're gonna be really conscious and really intentional about the fact that we need the outcome here." the end result to be really a good place, the internet to be a good place for people. And so it's going to be an interesting battle between uh, sort of the, the, the old way of thinking about things and the new way of thinking about things um, and optimizing for an attention economy versus optimizing for what's good for humanity. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it all shakes I like, out. I, I don't really know, but. I would like to think that what's good for humanity <laughs> and that, you know, I understand the attention economy thing, but at the same time, I also think there's value to replicating real interactive behavior. And that's what I think the spatial stuff's going to do is it it becomes immersive, but in a real way. When I was on there earlier, I felt very like I was there. You know, you could feel like the value of that when you have that type of spatial connection, the walking away. And, and, you know, that's, that's pretty powerful, I think, for an immersive experience for someone like myself that hasn't had that before, except for when I go on VR. But it kind of reminded me like that, but without the VR headset, right? Right, Um, right. And I think you'll probably move into the area of VR in the future once they become more commonplace. I could see them being like glasses, you throw them on, visors or something in the future, who knows? But uh, I want to ask you this. Before we got on camera, I I always like to ask my guests spiritual questions. And I I want to ask you this. Uh, What's your viewpoint of spirituality and how has it helped shape your worldview and being creative and endeavoring to do the products that you're doing like Topia? That's a great question. So I've been on a spiritual journey of sorts for many years now. And I, I want to say that uh, I've always been very spiritual, but it truly materialized for me when I uh, went and did a Vipassana sitting in India, which for those that don't know, is a, a 10-day, uh, very intense meditative retreat, essentially where you meditate for 10 to 12 hours a day. And uh, the rest of the time you're in noble silence. So you don't look at anybody, you don't speak. And it's 10 days. I did this in, in rural India with, uh, with my wife and my father. Um, the three of us went, we didn't interact the entire time. Um, and the whole, the whole idea is stillness of the mind and awareness, right? Awareness of sensations. And then uh, through that awareness, the uh, I forget the exact word, but basically not worrying about whatever sensations you're feeling. So if you're feeling pain, uh, be, being equanimous, I think is the word, right? So being equanimous to, to pain or to pleasure and uh, sort of just, just having stillness and having mastery over your own reactions to these sensations. And this, this just ex- completely blew my mind. It, it was, um, and, and the point of it is not to become a master of your awareness in the way that, that um, I wound up doing. I, I, I kind of uh, didn't follow the exact path that uh, the creator of, of Vipassana wanted us to, which is um, to be completely equanimous. 
for me, I felt like a Jedi by the end and I could move my awareness. It felt like I had the force. I could move it into my fingertips. I could just, you know, bring these like tingling sensations of awareness up and down my body. And uh, it was absolutely wild. And um, it, it really, what it did is it showed me that you're not taught this stuff in school, right? Nobody tells you that these things are possible. Um, you just have to experience it for yourself. And it actually brought me on this journey. Spirituality and experiences for me are, are very related um, because you can't tell somebody, you can't, even what I just said about Vipassana, nobody that heard that, that is not done Vipassana or some form of deep meditation actually understands themselves as a primary source, right? So if you read something in a book, you're not a primary source. You didn't experience it, right? And so spirituality for me is, is actually uh, not read in a book. It is not told to you. It is something that you can experience for yourself and, and have it become part of your knowledge, part of your spirit, part of uh, what makes you you. It's like, you know, the food that you eat, you are what you eat. You also are what you experience, right? And your spirit is what you experience, I believe. And so uh, from Vipassana, it was a world traveling, living in Bali, dancing, uh, singing, you know, just really, I was kind of an experienced junkie in many ways uh, for, for a while. And, uh, and, you know, came back to the United States and found community here and really, you know, started just trying to build experience, experiential platforms. Um, and so for me, you know, experiences, spirituality, community, all these things are just interwoven. You're looking, I, I feel like you look at the world as more than just 3D. You look at the higher levels of the world. And I feel like you get direct downloads yourself through all the meditative aspects of what you've done. And I feel like that helps benefit you. And it also gives you guidance with your ideas and your creativity. So like, you're going to have a lot more downloads coming your way. You think spatial. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have like the ability of looking at things from spatial points of view and you grasp big picture things. So you're going to, it's going to be interesting to see what, what you produce in the future. Put it that way. I'm excited. Um, I want to ask you this. When you look at yourself now and what you've gone through the last, say, you know, 15 years of your life, what was the greatest challenge you experienced that you had to overcome in order to feel like you were ready to take on life's challenges and put you where you are now? It's an interesting question. I think for me, probably one of the big struggles has been that I love building products for the sake of building products alone. And so I spent many years building things without really having an intention of even releasing them or doing anything with them. And that can actually get uh, a little bit demoralizing in some ways. And uh, I spent many years when I was younger, especially, um, and, and sort of less mature, and wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted from life. Going from one thing to another, just obsessively building inventing. Then, you know, when I'm near the end of it, I'm losing steam. I find another thing and I go deep down that rabbit hole and then, you know, and I'm building that. And then I go deep down another one. And, and, um, you know, I also struggled when I was younger to, to actually work with other people on these things. You know, I, I like you said before, I sort of see the big picture. I'm, I'm also a software developer. And right? so I see the big picture. I know exactly, I can envision what the product should be, what all the features are, how it all relates. <laughs> and I just want to sorcerer and I want to manifest this thing. And other people slowed me down, right? What I've realized as I've gotten older is that you can't actually be successful by yourself. You, you can, that, that's probably an oversimplification. Um, depends on you know, how you look at success and you know, what you're actually trying to achieve. But you can't really build something that, brings joy to millions of people 
by yourself. It's really hard, really, really, really hard. And you can't really do it and, and keep your sanity, I would say. Yeah, um, and fun. so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that, that's been a big journey for me is, is figuring out how to, uh, how to work with other people and how to, um, how to actually delegate my own thought process, my own product building uh, to others. And, and, and also, you know, realizing that other people's perspective is often really complementary to the way that I'm thinking about things. And so even Topia, I, I'm not going to claim that Topia, what it is right now is, is entirely my vision. It's definitely not at all. Right. It's, 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 and it's not even just our team. It, there's so much impact from, from the Topia team, but it's also our community, huge, massive impact. Topia would not be even nearly what it is. And I don't even mean that from like a, you know, Topia wouldn't be what it is without its community. I mean, the product itself would be completely different if we didn't have uh, people in our community giving us constant feedback. I mean, we, we launched the first version of this three weeks after I wrote the first line of code. Um, we had our first event and the product was very immature, but we did that and we got a tremendous amount of feedback. We then iterated throughout the week. We had another event the next weekend, iterated throughout the week based on the feedback. And you know, the whole thing has actually been very unlike any other product I've built where we actually have a community of people that care about it and giving us feedback. And the product is, is a result of that, you know, and it's the first really massive success of a product that I've had. And so the learning there for me is, um, you know, build in public, build with your community, have them build it with you. And that's how you're successful. That's true. It does take a village, as they say, uh, but I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. With everything that you said, you know, um, Earlier, when you were talking about ethics in the internet, that impressed me a lot too. I think we need that so heavily to have ethics in the internet and to have it in a way that we're thinking about the future generations of humanity. How how will we be how will we be raised on this stuff, and how is it going to change how we behave with each other, right, and interact, and and what what kind of uh, negative ramifications can occur? Like you said, if you're sitting on your phone too much, you hold addiction to the your smartphone. I'll admit when I misplaced my smartphone, I'm like, my iPhone, I'm like, where is it? Like, you know, it gets frustrating for me sometimes, but then I unplug and meditate and it works out. But like, what, what do you think about that? Like, you know, I think we're, we're in uh, transitional time. Everybody that's alive right now is witnessing something unparalleled in human history and the trajectory that we're going towards, we're going really fast and it's accelerating. Right. And I, we don't really know where it's going, but if we survive as a species and don't wipe ourselves out and we look way to the future, our great, great, great grandkids, we're going to the stars and the nature of the internet itself is going to be very different than it is right now. And so in many ways, I believe that people will look back on this time as the time when these lines were drawn. Right. And it's going to have to happen. The reality is it's going to have to happen over and over again. We're going to have to be confronted by these, almost perilous moments in the internet, in technology, in uh, human diplomacy. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like in Star Wars, right? Where you have the light and the dark. Yeah. Defaulting to, to light is not, is not a thing, right? Once you are faced with the decision to go light or dark and you choose light, that's when you actually are, uh, and, and doing that over and over again, right? That's the way to stay on the path of light. And so I think that's what we need to do here, right? We're, we're confronted with this decision with a few different decisions uh, around the nature of the internet. Is it going to be a force for good or is it going to be a force for darkness? And it's kind of defaulted to mostly good, but now we're facing this choice. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that we, and, and I hope that people like me uh, are able to 
shepherd, you know, help the shepherd uh, us towards the, the light. And this is not the last time we're going to have to make the, you know, face this decision, but um, you know, it's happening right now in front of us. In terms of expression, uh, you know, one of the things I'll ask you your opinion on this is what do you think about freedom of speech on the internet where you have people who are different political points of view and they present their positions and then it gets offensive to others. And then, you know, there's a whole, I mean, what's basically been playing out in our society right now. Do you have an opinion on that on how that could be handled? in a way that's you know responsible for society, but yet allows people to express themselves, but hopefully as long as it doesn't go to the level of inciting violence or, you know, kind of say just freedom of speech, but not the way it's been, basically. Yeah, it's a really tough problem, right? And a, and a tough question. Um, and I, I believe in free speech. Um, I don't really believe in hate speech, right? I don't, and I wouldn't even say really, exactly. I don't believe in hate speech. And um, where that line is, is the challenge. Right. Where where the political correctness of things, um, you know, I, I generally think that people should be able to express themselves, um, but not in a way that is harmful. And, and one of the things that's really important in real life, right, in person is consent. And so how do you build a technology that has uh, consent built into the protocol level and safety built in right around consent? Um, and I think where we get into a lot of trouble both in person and online, is when we blow through consent, when consent's not a factor. Um, and you know, I, I think that there it's really important. I think that there's a movement in person to to bring more consent-based uh, interactions to groups. And so I think that the That's same is idea. true <laughs> online. And 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 then frankly, it's actually you can't build consent into the protocol level of in-personness, right? That's not a thing, but you can build it into the protocol of technology. And so it's, it's, not, it's not a perfect answer to your question. The, the real answer is, look, it's challenging. We're all trying to figure it out. I think, you know, if we have, uh, if, if, I think if we can bind together and have our communities actually do some of the moderation um, and take, you know, some of the power into their own hands, not, not create echo chambers, but create safety and create consent. Um, I think th that's really the path we need to go down. Actually, you answered my question really well. That's what I, I was just curious because I, I have my own viewpoints on that. I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't support any form of hate speech or anything that invites, incites violence in any form. Yet I feel people need to express their freedom of speech. I'm on this platform, but it's like, you, you know, you could be you. You can express who you are as long as you don't intrude on anyone else's rights or offend others, I, I feel like, or, or incite hate, you know, and speak truth and, you know, those kind of things. But here's one question I'm asking. It sounds like you have a pretty fascinating just viewpoint on a lot of things, right? I'm asking this. I'll go first so that you don't think I'm asking you something. If there's one personal detail about you that you've never revealed to the public on an interview before, what would it be and why? And I, I give different ones for myself, but one of them I said I was a World War I, World War II buff. I'm kind of nerdy like that because my grandfather was in the Battle of the Bulge, and I always watch World War II documentaries to nauseam where I love watching them. It's like my thing. And uh, I always feel like in a prior life I may have been in World War II or something. You know, the whole past lives thing but more importantly than that i'm just a nerd like that but that's one of my examples one of my other examples is i, I kind of find it extremely fun to do podcast interviews so i've been doing them a lot more than i normally would but it's been a really fun endeavor for me and it's like something that i just really appreciate that i have this privilege of doing so those are and, and my friends in my life think i'm crazy right now that i'm doing all these shows i'm like you know what i love it it's my passion it's what i get to do and it's and it's awesome so that's two examples for me
I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've alluded to the fact that I was a gamer, that I built games even when I was a kid. I think something I've never really talked about is uh, that I was actually very almost addicted to games when I was a kid to, to my detriment, right? In high school, sure. I uh, basically did no homework. I just gamed with my friends. I was into MMOs. I was playing World of Warcraft, Star Wars Galaxies. I was kind of obsessed with. They had a, uh, a whole uh, economy, EverQuest before that. Um, and these games, uh, one of the things for me is I almost can't play uh, deeply immersive games like that anymore because they just suck me in, right? I love the experiential nature of them. Um, and so, you know, I think that that in some ways is, uh, it, it's, it's certainly something I've never uh, talked about on a podcast. It's also, um, you know, a challenge, I think. It's, it's similar to the attention economy that we talk about in social um, some games just pull you deep, deep, deep in, right? And so one of the one of the things actually with Topia that's a principle for us is that the content, it's like we've taken an MMO and the content, instead of it being like a deep, immersive game that you're playing by yourself or even with friends, but you know, the content's all about this game mechanics, um, giving you variable reinforcement and just sucking you in. Instead of that, we've basically made the content be the human connection, right? So we've taken like MMO games. And if you if you play World of Warcraft, it's kind of like um, being in one of the big town halls where all you do is just interact with people. We basically just built that piece, right? That's the content. Um, and that's less addictive, right? I was addicted to video games. And I guess that's the thing I'll, I'll, that, I'll, that I'll say. I've never said before. I don't even think I've ever said that out loud, but I, was, yeah. I feel like I was addicted to video games. And uh, so now we're trying to build a video game that's all about human connection and I'm not, not addictive. addictive. Like that. Yeah. I love that. See, that's poetic in a way, you know, to me, that you have that personal experience and now you're using that ethically to create a product that reflects the protective aspects of that for other people. That's very deep for me. That's spiritual in technology right there. I like overlap in my show to have like certain things overlap, but. I love it. Well, thank you for asking that question because I feel like I just learned something about myself, even in answering. Well, <laughs> you're a very spiritual person yourself. So you're already like, you know, you're, you're in tune very well and deep. I mean, I've never meditated for 10 days straight. Well, I did through the pandemic every day, but not just that by itself. So I, I do believe in exactly what you're saying when you say that when you can meditate, you can journey inwards and you can really like, it is going on a journey. It, it's, it's, you know, I'll say that it's nature's way of going on to utopia yourself, right? When you meditate, it is a form of going on utopia and you can connect spiritually with higher beings, if, depending on your own beliefs, but I believe you can. And I believe that you could even sense other intelligent life through meditative practices. So I feel like there's a certain ability. Our, I think our mind is just unlimited. It's infinite capabilities and we're only tapping the skirt the surface of it like an iceberg you know like we're only at the tip we're not even in the full realm and i think technology is going to catch up with spirituality in certain ways i think in my own personal prediction i keep getting through meditation is that someday technology is going to be able to register when someone crosses over you'll see an energy wave kind of like an mri or like one of those cats i'm trying to describe it right but you know I, I see that the wave from the crossing over of death onto the other side it shows that it's not final it shows a transfer. Mm. That's my prediction. Do you have any ideas yourself about what you think might get discovered through technology with spirituality based on your own endeavors or just experience? Man, that's great. Uh, but one of the things that I think about, uh, I guess there's a few things. One, you know, I am sort of a believer in the Elon Musk philosophy that everything's a simulation. Um, and, you know, his, his belief is that, uh, if humanity uh, goes forward and 
permeates the stars and has infinite technology, uh, one of the things that we would do is run basically an infinite number of simulations that are really high quality, right? Really high fidelity, where every uh, instance of the simulation would believe that it's real because that would be the point of the simulation. And so if, the, if in the future, there's an infinite number of those simulations that are occurring, the chance that we actually are, are real and not a simulation is one out of basically an infinite number. Um, and so we basically must be a simulation. Now, for me, uh, that, connect, that philosophy connected to um, animism and uh, naturalism and uh, you know, the belief that there are, um, there are forces in this world that we don't really understand um, which I believe very strongly. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll share another, you know, uh, belief sure. that resonates with me very strong is that we didn't really know what gravity was hundreds of years ago, right? That doesn't mean that gravity didn't affect us and that it wasn't a real thing. Um, it took us a long time to discover that. And so too, there are a lot of things that happen in the world right now that we don't have a perfect uh, description for, right? And people have words for them like serendipity or deja vu um, or like that tingle you get, you know, when like, <laughs> something happens and Call you me. don't know what, what it is, right? So it's pretty likely that in the future, we will discover what those things are and they will be real systems that operate in the world that govern uh, interactions. Energy is another thing that I believe very strongly in. You know, I think if I go, ah, right? And I like... Some people listening to that, they, they may even have felt that energy from me, right? And, and so too, I can be really quiet and bring my energy down. And, um, you know, you can affect other people with through energy transfers. You can be affected by other people's energy. What is the word for that, right? Los Santos, yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but we don't, we don't, science doesn't have uh, really much to say about what we just said, right? And so there's a lot to discover there. I also believe, you know, way in the future, when you talk about things like God, um, there, as we permeate the stars, as we discover and we discover and we discover, I think the, 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 the God is the thing that is still unexplainable, right? It's no matter how much we discover, there may just be in the end, like, something that we just can't explain that doesn't make any sense. And to me, like that is God. And that also is the simulation. Right. And so they're all connected to me. You know, interesting as it's the point you're raising, I believe energy is constant. I believe energy is everywhere. I believe that from my experiences as a psychic medium, that uh, deceased loved ones come back and tell me that the energy is like an umbilical cord between them and us. Right. So that love itself is one of those forces, just like, our life force, but love is a force of energy as well. So it's unlimited in, 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 in potential. You could tap into it. It's all, you just have to find it within yourself to be able to tap into it. And those are powerful messages just from, you know, reading people and just, I mean, just spiritually interacting with a lot of spiritual people too. I believe very heavily that those things are so real because I've experienced what unconditional love feels like in a spiritual near-death experience. I didn't know if you've had any near-death experiences or anything where you felt that unconditional love or that energy that I'm describing, like words are hard to describe it in, in certain ways, but anyone who's spiritual taps into that in some way. So I, I want to ask you about your experience. Yeah. I've never had any NDEs. I've, I've, you know, I'm fascinated by it. Um, I would say the closest I probably came to that honestly was during my Vipassana uh, retreat and experience where, um, you know, sort of disconnecting from myself even, and just having, uh, the ability to just be aware, not just of myself, but of everything simultaneously. Um, 
and so I've, I've had a few of those experiences, but nothing from an NDE specifically, you know, just <laughs> not something I, I, I would almost say, you know, I, I would, I would want to have an NDE, but not actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you want to make sure. <laughs> of course. Of course. I had a near, I had a near drowning accident in college and then I had a colonoscopy and under anesthesia, I was in a spiritual experience with my grandfather. Wow. So I was in the garden. I felt all that. And it was a wave of unconditional love, but words can't describe it other than that. It inspires me to, to be like to try to be as as open and and you know expressive and all those kind of things because relationships with people matter most and that's what I've learned in the last few years. But I um I'm sorry if you're gonna say something, but um I definitely feel like when it comes to the future of what we're doing after what we went through with this pandemic and everything that's happened in the last year or so, that your type of spatial media technology topia just sounds so i mean how can i say this i went on the app i went on on the site i should say right and i already enjoyed it and then as we're talking about it it makes me want to go back on there like i'm like ready to go back not that i'm addicted to it just because it's 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 a new thing for me to check out and and the ideas that are in my brain right now of what what i can try to do expressively as a podcast host and try to create my own little topia everybody wants to have their own little world right think about it since we're little kids we always had imaginary worlds right so why not create a virtual world and invite people to it and, and, and attach your stuff to it and, and be creative and see what you make, right? I mean, that's what we want our audience to do. So they should go. And, and let me ask you, where would you recommend they go? Build their You can world. just go to, yeah, you can go to topia.io. There's a, there's a button to get started uh, right on the homepage. And uh, that will bring you into our welcome lobby, uh, lobby where there are probably going to be other people sort of just messing around, maybe even somebody from Topia there to guide you a little bit. And uh, from there, you, there's a button on the right that says create your own, uh, create your own world. And you just create your own and you can use one of our templates to get started and then customize it from there. We also have a marketplace uh, where creators can come in and create entire templates or just specific scenes, collections of assets. And uh, a lot of them are free. Some of them are paid and uh, you can just use that uh, use that template when you buy uh, a scene, you actually get all of the assets as well. So you can customize the worlds and then try uploading your own stuff, right? Even we have, we have kids that are scribbling on napkins and taking a picture and then uploading that into their world. Um, you can try embedding YouTube content and create some kind of immersive experience for your friends and just bring them in, um, you know, and, and have, and have that sort of serendipity and that, that exploratory fun. Um, you know, we've also like my grandfather, uh, had his birthday party, he's 95. He had his birthday party in Topia. And we had like a, uh, an embedded video stream, uh, uh montage of, uh, videos or, or sorry, of, of images of pictures of him throughout his life. Right. And, wow. um, so creating that context and then we're all, you know, the whole family's around, watching the the video go and interacting with each other you, and it doesn't so it doesn't even need to be super complex um it can it can be you know a video montage it can be can you record on youtube can you do like an event and record the event not right now you can use loom you know or okay. something like that we don't have recording in, uh built into the system itself okay. we actually uh the architecture of it is all peer-to-peer -peer, uh end-to-end okay. -end encryption so when you're talking to somebody uh, the, the audio and video is actually not going through a server at oh, all. Cool. It's, it's going through an encrypted tunnel between two people's browsers. And so you can be really real, like you would be in person um, and know that they're not just like recording your stream through exactly. a server or something like that. Um, and so that, that's actually something that's been very important to us. We do have a server-based architecture that people can opt into for their world um, for event upgrades. 
Um, and we, we will probably enable recording there. Uh, we also have a hybrid architecture where if you wanted to uh, do a panel, like if the two of us want to have this podcast in a world and have a whole bunch of people, you know, listening as sort of a panel and interacting oh. with each other, we could be in server-based mode and they're all connecting to our stream via server and it's being recorded, but we can connect to them peer to peer. So we would see them through an encrypted tunnel and that wouldn't be recorded. So there's a lot of possibility for that sort of uh, in the future, but it's it's unlimited, and it, and it shows you, you know, it showcases this idea of of privacy and safety and consent, right? We don't want anybody to be recorded against their consent. Right. That would be a big no no. That's yeah. a perfect balance between the two too. You know, I'm very excited about that. I, I want to direct my audience to come check that out. They need to they need to create their world, and they need to come check out my world once I create it because I'm excited about this opportunity. I want to thank you so much for coming on. My last question for you, if you're a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Well, look, I, I want to say like lion or tiger, but I, I the only spirit animal I've really, uh, I've encountered two. Uh, one was an elephant, which is, um, you know, w- which is very powerful, like grandmother uh, energy and, you know, really a, a spirit guide for me um, through a, a pretty challenging experience that I had. Um, the other was a frog and a river frog. And, you know, I, I, for a while was kind of afraid to admit that because everybody wants to be like the lion or the condor or you know, something <laughs> mighty, but, you know, I think the, the frog exploring a river, um, you know, I've, I've had that come to me a few times. And so for whatever reason, I guess I, you know, one of my spirit animals is a, uh, is a frog exploring a river. I mean, I think that's awesome though, because when you think about, it, I always say owl for myself, because I always say right. that I have two parrots and I'm into birds, but I also identify with the wisdom that an owl can represent and looking at things from a larger perspective and from an aerial point of view. So, and always on a quest for wisdom. So, yeah, I think the animal I'm probably most similar to in many ways is like a wolf. I really like howling, for example. I like running. I actually like being on all fours, you know? Um, yeah. So I would say wolf is probably the, the animal that I most identify with. Uh, in some ways, but, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had experiences with, with a bunch of different animals, uh, in the spirit world. That's awesome. That's awesome. I just want to thank Daniel for coming on the show. I mean, how exciting is it to have somebody who's created their own topia and this guy, he's the CEO of it and the co-founder. Of it. He's also an originator of the confluencer. Check this out. I, I have to tell you, one of the things I love doing for my episodes is being able to experience it yourself. And I think that's what I got really big from today is Daniel's big about creating experiences. And for myself, preparing for this interview, I had a, an amazing experience on Topia. So I would say, check it out. I'm going to put the information in the program notes and I'll promote it on social media, of course. I, I think it's just really exciting when you can have somebody who has ideas and thoughts are things. And Thoughts become big things when you put a lot of effort into it and you sacrifice and you work really hard and you put a lot of your talents into something and you develop it and you develop it and you perfect it. And I think that's what we see with Daniel. He's a perfecter. He works hard. He experiences life, but he, he works hard at what he does and he does what he does for a reason so that we can enjoy these type of products that enhance our life in many ways and the infinite potentials. So check this stuff out. Stay positive. Because when you're positive, anything's possible. And I, I want to thank everyone for supporting the show. If you have any questions, you could always email me directly at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. 
You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric ass. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Yeah.